Hi, we're here today with Allison Burns, who is the Global Customer and Partner Learning Services Head at Nokia. Hi, Allison. Hi, Amy. How are you? Very good, thank you. We're happy to have you here today. And uh, you've got a pretty big job there at Nokia. And can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. I am part of the learning services organization within Nokia that provides learning for customers, partners, and employees. My responsibility um, is that I lead teams that supply either pre-sales, post-sales, um, communications, development opportunities for customers and partners. So any learning needs that a customer or a partner would have that pertain to Nokia products or services, we provide learning opportunities to those customers and partners. And you're, you're over all the teams that do this? Correct. You're, you're the head of them. It's a pretty big job. It is. It's, it's very exciting. <laughs> so you've, um, you've got it. I just want to talk a little bit about um, an interesting career that you've had. You've, you've just recently merged. You were with Alcatel Lucent before that just recently merged with Nokia. Is that correct? Correct, yes. Alcatel yeah. Lucent was acquired by Nokia. Yeah, okay. And you, um, you had quite a, a fast-paced career at um, Alcatel Lucent. In, in how many years were you with them? 18 years. Okay. And about out of that 18 years, how many of those years were you in a leadership role? I've been in a leadership role probably for about the last eight years. Prior to that, management roles. So um, started with a little bit of individual contributor responsibilities, but moved quickly into management roles, managing teams of engineers um, that do support mostly in a, a services type of function. Hmm. Okay, great. So you've now you've got a pretty diverse background too, in that you you said you started out in an HR function. Is that correct? Correct. I started out in uh, career development supporting a Native American tribe in their career development and higher education. Um, uh-huh. That's where I started out of college. And then when I moved into uh, Lucent Technologies at the time, I started in um, staff-type function roles, supporting HR, supporting finance, um, most of the uh, back-end type of responsibility before I moved into direct customer relationship in, with engineers. And so then you were overseeing tech groups, from, correct? Which is quite a leap. <laughs> <laughs> which is um, learning a new language. Uh, I bet. <laughs> and so now you've gone through this whole uh, acquiring uh, transition with Nokia and Alcatel Lucent. And I bet over the years, in the various roles you've had and in, in the transitions that you've made, you've seen your fair share of politics. Seen it and um, lived it, yes. <laughs> Dodged it, so to speak. <laughs> Dodged it. Well, <laughs> and embraced it also. Yeah, I was, that's what I was just going to say. And, you know, one of the things I know in working with leaders is that politics, I, I'd say it's a necessary evil, but what, what I've come to learn is that really good leaders are really good at politics. And that politics serve... Uh, um, you know, it serves teams, it serves how the organization runs and, the, and, and gets results. That's my impression. I'm curious, what, what, what's yours about politics? 
Well, you're definitely right. It's um, it's a necessary evil. Um, it, you you have to learn to to not only know it's there and either use it to your benefit or at times avoid it, but I think that's all part of navigating it. You, the biggest strength you can bring is being able to navigate the politics, whether it's directly the way you're dealing with the people who are using political influence in one way or another, or the way that you're using political influence to you know, move your team forward, to move an idea forward. Um, but the navigation of it is probably what's going to drive the success the best. Hmm. What, so when you say navigating it, what are, well, let's start out with first knowing politics are at play. How do you know politics are at play? Well, I mean, it's when you get into a leadership role and you work for either a small company or a large co- corporation, um, politics are given. I mean, I think to not think they're there or not think that you have to manage within them is naive. And sometimes when you try to stay under the radar enough, you don't give your team the benefit to grow. So you have to, you have to embrace them. You have to know that they're there. And you have to know that, that they're not all bad. Even when somebody manages with political um, technique that is way to one side of a spectrum, that could be their style. It could be what works for them. It might not match your style. But you don't have to live that every day. You just have to know how to navigate it when it's kind of coming into your world. Hmm. So you just have to understand who you're working with and what their styles are. And is there a way to manage that, either by sometimes staying under the radar, um, sometimes procrastinating to the point where you don't have to get intimately involved in those politics? Mm-hmm or whether or not it's appropriate to jump right in. Mm. So it almost sounds like a process where you would, you, whoever's at play and their various um, styles of politics, right, that you almost have to meet them where they're at. And is that what you're saying? De- um, definitely, and it's about the relationship. It's, it's really understanding the relationship you have with um, – either that individual, that team, or even to take a step back, the influencers of that mm-hmm. individual or the team. Um, there could be, there, there are times where you might have ethical or professional dilemmas that keep you from playing head-on with that. Mm-hmm. But if you look back and you can find an influencer to that individual or that team mm-hmm. that you can manage what you need to get done through, you've succeeded in getting what you need done, whether it be for your team or an idea or something, but you didn't necessarily have to step into a a zone where you're not comfortable. Hmm. Okay. So so part part of uh, politics for you is to, to kind of move maybe around a person where there might be some obstacles and find influencers. Right. Okay. Right. It's, it's getting to the end result, but sometimes in a more creative way. Yeah, yeah. Now, when we think of politics, you know, we think about the, the old back-slapping, you know, um, Washington, D.C.-type politicians, back-slapping, backroom deals, um, that sort of thing. 
What's the reality in corporations around that, that that stereotypical politician or politicking? I think, um, you know, it's probably still out there. Um, I'm not sure it is as obvious as it used to be. I mean, when, mm-hmm. I, when I joined telecommunications um, as a woman moving through the organization, you stepped into meetings where you were the only woman or you, you were the only one with a view of a certain thing. Um, it was probably more the, the man's club, the good old boys, the backslapping, you know, they, were, they had their agendas, they were driving to that, and it was harder to get in. I've seen and that improve. I've seen where the diversity, not only in men versus women, but um, the whole influence that comes in with diversity, mm-hmm. the bringing different ideas to the table, bringing different styles to the table. I've seen over the years where that's just improved so much. It's become more, you don't have to be exactly like me, mm-hmm. but I have to at least be able to relate to you in some way. Mm. So it's, I think it's gotten more lenient, at least in my professional experience. Mm-hmm. And it could be that um, since I didn't fall into it for whatever reasons, that I've created that environment around me to where my expectation is that it's more lenient and I don't walk in with the stereotype that this is going to be a backslapping opportunity. This mm-hmm. is going to be an eyes-open opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's an interesting dynamic, and I, you know, we, you and I are about the same age. So if we go back to the old business, <laughs> the, the old the old boys network, you know, and it does seem to be not it's it's not nearly as uh, prevalent in business today, but that also brings in a different challenge around politics, and that is. You know, one of the important aspects to healthy and productive politics is finding common ground and and compromise. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the challenges you may have faced with that and how you overcame them? Yeah, I think um, I think with with most things, you have to know your audience and you have to you you have to be comfortable enough to challenge in a respectful way. But you also have to be able to recognize when a direct challenge isn't appropriate. So if you have a, a staffing opportunity or um, a selection of a business case that needs to move forward, there everybody has a boss and everybody has reasons for decisions that they want to push. Sometimes you have to recognize that I went into it with a thought process of what I believe is 100% right for my business a peer or a boss or a business partner goes into it with 100% thought process of what they feel is right. Mm -hmm. And it's not worth fighting to the death one or the other. It's time to step back and find what is the compromise. Mm -hmm. When do we look for what's behind door number three? Mm. And try to think, we don't want to battle it out because we have a good working relationship we have different views, but this shouldn't be the mountain that we climb to die on. There's mm-hmm. bigger things. So how can we go back and say, look, we're not going to agree on either of our opinions. How do we get to door number three? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I can imagine that could be difficult at times when there's a lot at stake. It, it, it can be, and you, if there's egos at stake, if there's personal agendas, um, those are things that you can probably recognize right away. Mm. Um, sometimes door number three is a mixture. Maybe it's, well, we split up the business case or we, at, we break it up into pieces so that you're still meeting some of the political agenda, mm-hmm. but you're adding your flavor to it mm. so that it becomes this hybrid. Mm-hmm. So you, mm-hmm. you can't always just you know, assume a passive role, but you, you definitely have to know when to take the aggressive role or when to not play with the aggressive role. Hmm. How does one learn that? <laughs> Sometimes through war wounds. <laughs> you know, I think, um, you know, if I look back at my career, and there were times that I, I felt, you know, I'm, I'm right. They've, they've put me in a position to where I should be the expert. Um, yeah. I'm managing teams. I have, I'm the boss, so I'm right. And I think with maturity, you get past that. I think it's hard to expect somebody coming fresh off the street or fresh out of college or out of vocational school or what have you to step into a role and understand what it's taken years within an organization to mature. Mm -hmm. So having that expectation when when you're coaching new hires or when you're coaching people who are new to a position Mm-hmm. You can give them some warnings. You can kind of say, this is how I navigated this. Mm-hmm. Allow them to make some mistakes themselves mm-hmm. and experience it because that's what's going to come to their mind when they have to make decisions. Mm-hmm. What did I do in the past? What was successful in the past? What type of personality did I deal with? And what was the outcome? Yeah. And you start putting those math equations together in your head with each decision that you tackle throughout your career. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's a, a a bit of a process of failing forward in it to to really learn it and get the experience under your belt. I think with everything, um, I always feel very successful if I've taken two steps forward and one step back. Huh. I don't always, you know, and I, I try to explain this to my teams, if you're only moving forward and you're not taking the time to to step back or you're not being pushed back because going forward wasn't the right choice, mm-hmm. you're not learning anything. Mm. If yeah. you're not moving forward at all, you're not succeeding either. So you, mm-hmm. need to have, you need to have that momentum be more than the backwards. Mm. But if you, don't, if you don't take the time and if you don't allow yourself to learn as you're going forward and reflect, then you just, you're kind of blindly going through and your success, is it really success or is it just that you just stumbled into it. That, uh, uh, what you just said, I think, is a million-dollar observation <laughs> for anybody who's, who's in leadership or, moving, or wants to move into leadership. Um, it, because I, I, what it involves, Allison, uh, what it sounds like it involves to me, is risk. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You have to, so, you have to take yeah. risk, and you have to trust um, the risk that you take. Mm-hmm. Would you say that your um, 
you have a, a, a pretty high tolerance for risk yourself as, a, as an individual? Um, I think I accept risk as part of growing. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not a risk taker in, in activities. I don't, um, I don't bungee jump. I don't risk my life. I don't, I don't take risks with, with food choices or anything. But when it comes to my career, if a risk presents itself, I do trust leadership that has asked me to entertain the risk. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's... Um, I've been very fortunate over the, the life of my career so far mm-hmm. is that I've had leaders that I've worked with or worked for that I've trusted. And, I've, mm-hmm. and I've, I've been fortunate to have that trust and I've allowed myself to have that trust. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a risk in itself. But when you have that relationship and when you can really look back and say, okay, I didn't think that this would be my career option. I didn't think I would be asked to do this. But mm-hmm. if you feel I'm capable, I trust that you're guiding me in the right direction. Mm. So I think that risk has just kind of come to me and I've been open to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because playing the political game, there's a lot of risk in it. Right, that you, you, I mean, in knowing when you know to hold them and when to fold them, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you talked a few minutes ago about it not being a hill to die on, but sometimes it does become a hill to die on. And so, how do you know when it's time for you to really take a stand for something, to to maybe not be as compromising as you normally are? I think um, where I've gone to battle the most. Um, is around project around something that I have confidence in the business decision around. So it's either a team or a team member that I need to go to battle for, or it's a business plan that I need to go to battle for. And when I can make the business sense work in my mind, and I know it's the right thing for the company, I know it's the right thing for my department, it's it's the right risk to take, that's when I'll march up the hill stronger and stronger. Mm. Um, but you, you always have to have respect because it doesn't matter who the person is in the role that you're challenging. Mm-hmm. Just know why you're challenging the role. Mm. Take the person out of it because mm-hmm. they may win the lot of tomorrow and leave the company and you're still challenging that role because the right. incumbent's going to come in with the same I've got to make this work. Mm. So you really need to be able to take the personalities out of it. You're not going to really, you're not going to send Christmas cards to everybody you work with, <laughs> but you have to respect the position that they have. Mm-hmm. And when I decide to go up a, a hill and I'm ready to die on it, I know I'm doing it for the right reasons and not just because they've challenged me and I won't back down. That's not the reason to take a risk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, though, in politics, sometimes that's what pushes people, and they get so wound up in their political stance that the more you challenge them, the more they stand their ground, mm-hmm. even when it's not the right ground to stand on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that leads me to another question, something you you mentioned several minutes ago, and that was about people politicking for their own personal agenda. Mm-hmm. 
And I, you know, we've all heard the term dirty politics. And I, I personally, you know, in some of the situations I've been involved in, that's when politics get dirty, as far as I'm concerned. What, what's your view on, on trying to play politics in an arena where somebody does have a personal agenda? It's not easy. It's, that's, that's one of the most difficult things, because sometimes no matter what you do, you're not going to win that. You're, they're going to play dirty. It's almost like you have, to, you have to get to a position where you agree and you play by their rules, but you get to the end result by managing the direction yourself. So that's mm-hmm. when you come in and you protect your team. You protect your project or what have you. And as a leader, you fight that battle. You shield it from your team. Mm-hmm. You deal with the politics. You let the team work on the project or you let the team progress the way they need to, mm-hmm. and it's not as visible. It's when you have to become that protector because it's not mm-hmm. going to go away, but why make everybody miserable? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. So you, you, you go in the, the back room where everybody's smoking cigars and where it's kind of dirty and everybody's roughing one another up, but your team has is, is you shield your team. I think that's a really important point yeah. from that. And it's not it's not um, there's there's lack of transparency that a lot of leaders have where they don't share things with their team. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're not sharing it with their team. It's like mm-hmm. you you need to focus on the project you're working on. You need to focus on getting us through this. Let me kind of figure the path out. Mm-hmm. because I think as leaders, that's what we have to do. We, we have to have the thicker skin to go in and manage the personal agendas, manage the things that we may or may not agree with, but maybe we can see at the end we all want to get to the same place. Mm-hmm. So I'll go in the back. I'll deal with the cigar smoking. Mm-hmm. I'll deal with all of that mm-hmm. and make it seem like I'm representing the team. We're all here but they just don't need to get hung up in that because that loses, that loses momentum and mm-hmm. it just creates gaps in progress that you don't need. Yeah, and I, what I'm hearing in between all this, what you're saying, though, is a, is a uh, and I, I believe this to be true about you because I, do, I know you, and um, uh, that you don't take it personally. Oh, no, not at all. Even if somebody yeah. is making the agenda personal, right, that you can clearly see it's a personal agenda for power or whatever it is, that you don't take that on personally. No, you, you can't. There's, you know, there's, there's little room. I mean, there, there's definitely personal attacks that happen. There's things that happen throughout your career that you can't help take personally, but you can't let that bubble up. You can't let that define who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the best teams I've been on, it are teams that we don't agree 100% day to day. We respectfully challenge each other. We, even if it's, I really don't agree with anything you're doing running your business. Mm-hmm. It's just them running their business. They're making decisions based on the team they have, the skill sets they have. But then you can just leave the office and say, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, how are the kids? You know, how's, how's college going for your daughter? You, you cannot... Mm-hmm let it become personal. Yeah. Because we don't live in, in this day, we don't stay in the same job 
forever, and that doesn't define us. It defines us what we've been able to contribute through the over the time of our career. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever faced a situation or seen somebody else in the situation where the politics do get dirty to the point where there's personal attacks? It happens. I mean, it it can definitely happen, mm-hmm. but I think too. You know, I, I was I was told this early on in my career. You wake up every day. You want to wake up five or seven days a week and be jazzed about what you do. Mm. You want to be able, when things start getting tough, you want to be able to say, gosh, three of the five days I was really jazzed about what I do. I was excited to get to work. I was excited to work with the people. If you wake up every day and you're not jazzed about what you do, you don't look forward to being on calls as difficult as they are with your peers, then you need to look inside and say, is this the right job for me? Mm. And you have to make that difficult decision. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, sometimes it's one individual that gets you there. Mm-hmm. But you have to be to a point in your career where you can say, gosh, I have to do something different because I can't face every day dealing with this because sometimes that obstacle is not going to move. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an easy decision. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's the whole piece about going to sleep at night, too, that how you conduct yourself within that dynamic, you have to be able to live with yourself. Right. And Yeah, so it, it's, it, um, you know, when the personal attacks come or somebody does something that hits below the belt, you know, what's important to you, Allison, to keep your integrity intact so that you can go to sleep that night and know that you, you, in spite of the fact that somebody played dirty or hit below the belt or whatever, um, that it, what needs to stay intact for you to sleep well? Well, you still have to be able to call them out on it. You still have to be able to say, look, that, that went too far. Um, I'm here to, to do a job or I'm here to make progress on this. I'm here as part of a, a team this is becoming personal. I mean, I still say you, you should be able to call them out on it and try to remove themselves. Maybe it's not best that I work directly on this project. Maybe it's not best that, that my team is the one that supports this. You can't just always take it and just say, okay, well, tomorrow will be better or, or the project will only last three months. Mm. You still have to be able to go to bed at night knowing that you're making the right decision and you're representing yourself as a, as a leader to your team. You don't want to lose respect from your team because you just kept accepting that somebody was personally attacking you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you, you do speak up and you do, um, you do maybe make boundaries with people when they cross the line. Is that? You definitely, um, you have to set some boundaries because when you do have those people, their, their style is not going to change overnight. You're not going to fix them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's who they are. That's how they've molded their career. That's how they've chosen to be a manager. And I say that purposely because I don't think that that's the representation of a leader. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to set the boundaries and, and be respectful enough, again, going back to that they have a position you never know what's being whispered in their ears, the pressure that they're under. You just know what you're interacting with them on. But you have to be able to say, hey, um, 
I'm not going to have my team in this meeting because they don't need to be exposed to your style. That's not what makes them work successfully. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be here. And if you feel the need to attack me and to attack my team, th- this is how far you can take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is important. And sometimes when you do speak up and you set those boundaries, sometimes that allows the person to kind of think about what they're doing because they've maybe never had anybody challenge them. Mm-hmm. And you're not challenging that you're going to work with them. You're not challenging that you're in it to, to succeed. Mm-hmm. You're challenging how you will accept their feedback to you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like you always hold out front what's right for your team, your, you know, your division, your, the organization is always what you put out front as kind of your, your guiding beacon in making those boundaries. Is that, that's how it kind of sounded to me at least. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, when I look back over the 18 years, you know, my success has been because I've been some, part of some really great teams. Mm. And the one thing that, you know, I always appreciate, especially going through a, a, a changing time like an acquisition or, you know, a merger or something, is there's a lot of uncertainty. But when, when a team comes in and says, well, I'm going to take advantage of this uncertainty and find something new to do in the company, that shows that maybe you haven't um, been respected enough as a leader because mm. they're not necessarily trusting where you're going to lead them. Mm-hmm. When they come and say, I don't know where you're going, but I know I want to be part of your team, that shows that they're willing to take the risk because they've seen you take the risk and they, mm. they trust where you're going. And those are the things that come out, I guess, indirectly, but you have to recognize them when they come out because mm-hmm. that means you've done something right. You've gained their loyalty, mm-hmm. and you always have to recognize that I'm not the only one. I'm not designing curriculum. I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how to design curriculum, but we have great people on our team that design phenomenal curriculum. Mm-hmm. I know that. I know I'm not the one. I may lead a team that designs curriculum. I may lead a team that executes on something. Mm-hmm. I have to know that I'm not the one that's doing that. And yeah. You leverage yeah. it. I mean, there's some really good people out there and you just have to recognize it, and you have to just be thankful that you've got this great, strong team. Yeah, what you're talking about is something, though, I, I find is, a, uh, is something I hear from people who are really good leaders. And what's something you just said is that they have people that want to follow them. I've, I've mm-hmm. worked with leaders who they have team members that will follow them outside of the organization. They'll change companies. And I think it's really interesting that you drew the parallel with it being that they see you're willing to risk, they're willing to risk too, and, and, but want to be with you in that, uh, in whatever you're doing, in that risk, right? So I think that's, um, you, just, you just drew a very interesting parallel there that, about uh, what makes some leaders really, really great leaders. Yeah, it is nice because, you know, you know that you work well together, but there's also that conversation where you know that you have somebody that will grow more and be more of an asset in another position. Mm. And when you have that hard conversation that 
that it's time for them to explore other options because you feel they're being held back. Mm-hmm. When they say, I enjoy what I'm doing, but I trust that you think that I can be more of an asset somewhere else, mm-hmm. um, it's when they use the word trust. I mean, I think that that's when yeah. you've really established something. Because that's, that's, um, that's not a part of your job requirement, to trust your, your manager, mm-hmm. to trust your leader, to mm-hmm. trust your peers. Mm-hmm. That's not in a job requirement. That's not in a description anywhere. That's uh, an emotion that comes to the table. Right, right. Yeah, and trust is a, it's, you know, like you said, it's not your job description, and often I wonder why it's not um, <laughs> in, in a lot of leaders' job descriptions, yet a lot of organizations will, will measure that in a, in a variety of ways, right? Trust, and, and um, what was in 2014, uh, the American Psychological Association came out with a study that said one in four people mistrust their, their employer or their boss or their leader. That's a pretty significant statistic, I think. And um, so, I, you know, I know we were, we were talking about politics, but you've gotten onto this, this thing of trust, and I think that, that in leading people, developing trust does mean that you're out there, they know you're out there fighting for them, right, mm-hmm. and standing up for the work you all do, that you are the one out there who's going to protect that and kind of break through the barriers that requires a lot of politicking. Right. And so I think that the politics and trust are, are hand in hand because people see you, like you said, they see you risking, but they also see you standing for and, and being, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, being vigilant to, to the cause, to the project, to the team, to, the, to what you're all working towards within the organization. Right. And I, and I think... Um you know, what I don't want to take away is that you always have to be taking risks. You always have to be, be proving to your team that you're the leader and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think there's an equal respect when they see you back down from something, when mm-hmm. they see that you are not willing to just always take risks, but you need to be grounded as well mm-hmm. because it's all about balance. And mm-hmm. sometimes always taking a risk, is too risky, <laughs> but yeah. you, you've got to kind of show that you've got um, different sides to you, mm-hmm. the diversity to be able to make decisions depending on the scenario because you can have a certain style that doesn't fit every scenario, mm-hmm. and that's not successful either if you continue to drive that style. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's where it continu- continues to build trust. You weren't willing to take that risk with them, but it's not that you're not willing to take risks with them at all, yeah. you can explain why you didn't take that risk. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And it goes back to politics, though. You could have chosen not to take the risk because the political nature of the risk just mm-hmm. wasn't worth it for the team. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a, you know, I, I, as a final thing I'd like to talk about relative to politics is about political capital, Right. And anybody who's been in leadership knows that you, you kind of acquire political capital along the way, that you kind of bank mm-hmm. people's trust in you. Um, you bank maybe favors you've done or times you've backed down. And this all becomes political capital that sometimes has to get trotted out in a big way 
for something big. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about acquiring and using political capital? Yeah, you. Um, it's funny because you definitely do. You know, every once in a while, I check my bank account <laughs> before I go into a meeting, <laughs> uh-huh. and, it, and it goes back to the influencers too. It could be that you've um, you've banked this capital with an influencer of somebody that you're making a decision, mm. and it's as easy. Corporate world is about relationships, and that's what I've found, and that's that's actually what I enjoy most in the role that I'm in. Mm. But sometimes you're getting ready to go in and present an idea, and you know the audience of what you're presenting. And you kind of look up in your email history or in your directory or something, and you find somebody that five years ago you worked on a project with, and you both had success from the outcome. And you give that person a call or drop them an email saying, hey, I see that you're in this person's organization. I've got to pitch this to them. Mm. What's, what's my style? What should I, what should I come in at? What, is, what are they looking for? Not insider information, but you want to kind of know what to wear, so to speak. You want to check mm-hmm. the weather. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, you want to have the umbrella if you need it. So you, you reach back into that bank and say, this is worth me cashing in. And you also reestablish that relationship with somebody you might not have crossed paths with for the last five years. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, while I have you on the phone, this is a project I'm working on. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you have somebody on your team that might be able to give us an opinion? And all of a sudden mm-hmm. now you've fostered this new relationship because you cashed in on this. Right. Um, I think it's important. It's not, you know, you can overanalyze it and keep your own spreadsheet. Um, I wouldn't <laughs> say I go that far. But mm-hmm. there are certain emails that you, that you save. There are certain correspondence that you say, gosh, we did really good on this project. I'm mm-hmm. going to just kind of, put that in my back pocket because mm. I don't know when it's going to, when I'm going to need to reach in there, grab it. Yeah. But it, it's important to know it's not that you're always keeping score, mm-hmm. but it's important to know that you've got to build that up because it's, um, it helps you to manage a situation that you are walking into blindly. Mm-hmm. If you can reach out somewhere in your bank and get some information of what you're walking into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is there ever situations where you have to reach into the bank for to support you on something that there might be opposition to? Oh yeah, that too, definitely, <laughs> definitely. If you come out and you feel, hey, I didn't, I, I did not do that on my own. I yeah. need some help. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's calling in favors, but as long as as long as you're not a person that's always calling in favors. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have your strength to build up favors of your own, mm-hmm. then it's a, it goes back to balance. But there are times you walk out, I mean, you know, even having worked in the organization I work in for the last year, I'm still navigating some of my peers. I'm still navigating my leadership to a point where sometimes I get off a call and I say, gosh, I cash in a chip there with one of my peers and say, I didn't feel comfortable about what was said on that call. How do I, what's my next step? Mm. And you, you can't, no matter what position you get to, mm-hmm. you can't think that you always have the right answers because yeah. then, then you, do, you don't grow because you don't always have the right answers. Yeah. So yeah. catching in sometimes to, to level set you or to give you, you know, what's one more view that I can see this from? Mm-hmm. I think it's important. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I it, it, that's a that's a great point. And I I do find that leaders who are probably the most successful and the and probably the have the broadest influence usually um they do more favors than they ask for. They don't right. call in chips unless it's they're real clear about why they're doing it. Would you say that's your strategy? That's that's definitely um, probably my strategy, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even sometimes it's when you know that you've just gotten off, you're about to end a conversation with somebody, and they've done you a huge favor. They've they've shown you something you didn't see, or they've given you some guidance and a, a direction change. Even part of that conversation becomes, wow, you you totally steered me in the right direction. Please don't ever hesitate. To, to grab me if you need something from my team or if you need to bounce something off of me. Always leave the end of that conversation with, I'm here for you to reciprocate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whether or not they call you on it, it, it may not happen. It may not happen immediately. But you've left that door open because that's a relationship you want to continue to have. Mm. Wow. That's great. And give credit. You know, yeah. I mean... Don't be afraid to be transparent. If somebody helped you guide yourself to a right decision, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to shout out and say, hey, you know, Amy helped me get there. I, I, was, I was struggling. I was stuck in a rut. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation. She reminded me of something that we did on the project five years ago, mm-hmm. and she really helped me to present this better. And, no. and don't be afraid to give credit where credit's due, not that you're trying to butter up Amy because she may not even be part of that conversation or mm-hmm. that, that decision-making, but you've, you've let people know that you're not an island and you're not doing everything yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is, is to give credit where credit's due because I, I think there's a lot of people that are coming into leadership or you know, in, in mid-management mid or lower levels of management or supervision that look at that as being a weakness, like somehow they didn't think of it or they weren't capable. But I find at the higher levels of leadership, that is, that is one of the distinctions that they they have with people who are in, 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 you know maybe just cutting their teeth or or finding their their legs in management or leadership is that they really do give a lot of credit where credits due and mm-hmm. and don't feel they don't feel threatened that they'll, it'll be seen as a weakness right yeah mm-hmm. when when i first started with the company i mean i've had a lot of good influence but when I first went into managing a team of engineers, not being an engineer myself, knowing nothing about the technology, <laughs> um, I could barely open the, the lab door. But my, my vice president at the time, he said, I said, I don't, I don't think I'm qualified. I don't know the technology. He goes, but you know who to go to. He said, mm. you need to manage the business. You need to manage the team. You don't need to solve the problems. But you need to know who to have on your team that will solve the problems. Wow. And, and it's who you know. You know, it's, it's knowing yeah. who to go to to help you, but never looking like you're abusing that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going to people to do your job is not right, but going to people to solve the problems or to facilitate them doing the job to move your business forward, mm-hmm. that's what's right. And boy, does that ever require relationship building and politics. 
Yep. Don't burn bridges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> you never know when you've got to walk. Take that two steps back or that one step backwards. Yep. If you've burned the bridge, you're going to fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, I've I've experienced that as well in as a coach, right? And working as an executive coach, working with people who say, you know, I I we'd be maybe brainstorming some ideas about what they could do to solve a problem, and all of a sudden you'll hear them say, well, I can't go there. Yeah, because <laughs> you know they burnt the bridge, and they and then they tell the story, right? How how something blew up, and they burnt the bridge, and they just can't go back over it again. And they could have really used it at that point. Right. And I think that's a really important point in uh, about politics. Um, that might be a good ending note for us is to 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 you know just talk for just a second about burning bridges and and how that can stop a leader in their tracks. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you you just really can't. And I don't know if that's something that you you just learn as you mature or if you do listen to the guidance you're given, but I couldn't mm-hmm. agree more. I mean, when I look when I look at just what I've done within the company that I work for, I've moved from I started with one technology, worked years and years through multiple other technologies and ended up before I left um, you know, leading engineering teams in the same technology I started in through acquisitions and uh-huh. and mergers and everything, it might be a different box that's being deployed, but I'll be darned if I didn't get on that first conference call and said, are you the Allison Burns that did this back in 2000 and led <laughs> really? this team? And I said, yes, and are you the John so-and-so that had the development team? And uh-huh. we had a great relationship. Yeah. And I didn't, even though we didn't always agree, all of a sudden, there was a trust in this new person that's coming out of a completely different business group that, hey, she knows what she's doing. Uh, so I didn't have to take any time to earn that because I never burnt, burnt those bridges. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that, I, I would imagine, to not burn bridges, it takes really keeping your eye on, on what the goal is, right, which mm-hmm. is around the business and the organization, the team, whatever, the project, but also self-managing, right, so that you don't um, emotionally react to something that's going to to cause a permanent divide. Mm -hmm. And so just the the emotional, um, I call it emotional mastery or self-mastery, if you were to identify one part of yourself you really had to work on within you to be able to manage yourself in those highly emotional states where you could have burnt a bridge. What's that one thing that you've, you've probably developed um, to, to come in uh, and help you in that, in that instance? I learned how to use the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and I say that sarcastically, but there are times where you are on a call and your first reaction is that emotional reaction. Uh-huh. You can't help. It's either gotten personal or yeah. you clearly don't, don't agree on the business. Use the mute button. Scream the scream that you wanted. Um, excuse yourself. Say you've got another call. Do something to step out of the immediate reaction. Mm-hmm. If it's an email exchange, write the email back, but take everybody out of the two. Mm-hmm. Send it to yourself. Send it to yeah. your draft. Write it. Have time to digest it. 
we don't have to, we're not in such an environment that there has to be an immediate response or an immediate answer for everything. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to discipline yourself to digest. The message might be the same, but the words you choose might differ greatly, and that's what's going to make or break whether or not you burn a bridge. Mm. You can say the same thing, just say it in the right way. That is a great bit of advice. Step back and and take a breath, it sounds like, right? Yep. (laughs) Push the mute button, you know. I'm laughing about that because I remember, and I just have to tell this story. I was working for an organization, and we were on a conference call like this with the CEO, and um, uh, there were a couple of vice presidents on there, and um, somebody thought they were on mute, Mm -hmm. and they were reacting to the CEO's words. <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's where you you take advantage of somebody else's un, unfortunate step, and you do your best to learn from it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> make you sure see, that mute button is on before you. <laughs> you hate to see somebody else um, fail in that area, uh-huh. but you do have to just wipe your brow and say gosh, that could have been me. I'm going to learn from this. And I'm going to become that leader. Exactly. <laughs> you have oh. to get to that point where, where you're capable of observing, wow, that was an unfortunate incident, but I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to yeah. use this as an example years later when I'm on a, a podcast with somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, if, and if that person ever hears this, They'll know it's them. <laughs> it was a very memorable yeah. experience. So, um, well, Allison, listen, thank you so much for taking the time today and talking to us about this. And um, you've, you've had some great pearls of wisdom here that I'm sure many people will learn from. And, and for some who already know it, will be reminded of. So I, I thank you and wish you all the, the best success in your position. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's been, it's exciting, and I'm looking forward to what the next 18 years will bring. <laughs> well, we hope to be survive. in touch with you too. So. <laughs> exactly. No, thank you very much. All right.